good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're tuning in. It's great to have you here joining us for another session of In Deep. This is our chance to go a little deeper into some topics that we just never get a chance to cover on a Sunday. And uh, no matter where you are tuning in from, we're glad that you're here and we're glad that you're using this resource. Please like and share and promote these kinds of things because lots of people enjoy these discussions and they really are beneficial, I believe, to your faith. Today we're going to be talking about a pretty pertinent topic right now and a question that I get asked a lot, and that is, should I get the COVID vaccine? Um, All kinds of opinions flowing around the Christian church these days, and especially if you pay attention to the American church, there's a whole lot of conversations about what sort of a, you know, prophetic symbol they are or what sort of things are happening behind the scenes. And I think it'd be great if we can just kind of stop We can just dig into a few of the issues that Christians use when we are trying to make decisions about public health. And hopefully, it's not going to be controversial, but I am making, I guess, a kind of recommendation. But in the end, we're going to be talking about something that applies in not just this area, but lots of areas of our life. And that is, oftentimes, we need to be asking ourselves, what does your conscience say? Your conscience, which is your sort of inner voice of this is right and that is wrong, is a way that we oftentimes choose to regulate our belief systems. They, our consciences are not always accurate, but they are a very solid starting point, sounding ground, for us to find out whether or not we should be proceeding in a certain way. Now, I'm going to share some scriptures with you that talk about a conscience issue that was happening at the first century. When Christians, uh, when Christianity, the teaching of Jesus and the faith in Jesus Christ began to spread through the Greek-speaking world, so not the Jewish world, this is something that wasn't practiced by Jewish believers, but this is something that was impacting the Greek-speaking world because the Greeks had come out a form of worship that had to do with sacrificial things at their places of worship that were sacrifices to essentially uh, demonically-based gods. They were the Greek worship system, also very similar to the Roman worship system. And what that happened then was some people felt really bad if they would go down to a marketplace and buy meat from a meat vendor because they knew that that meat vendor had sacrificed some or a portion of that meat to their idol or their god as a way of blessing their business. And then they were worried about picking up the spiritual influences from eating that meat. You can understand that somebody might kind of, as a moment of conscience, go, oh, realize, should I eat this meat if it's been sacrificed to an idol? Boy, maybe this isn't good for me. And so some people, because of conscience, would not eat meat. Other people, because of conscience, thought there's nothing wrong with eating meat. And so when the Apostle Paul starts debating that about consciences, he says things like this, but there are comments like this in several of his letters. 1 Corinthians 8, 7 says, However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Now, Paul was saying, these idols actually aren't anything that's greater than the power of Christ. So, being in Christ is a far greater influence in our lives than any of these other things that he calls so-called gods, giving them a small g, recognizing that they're nothing in comparison to the power of the real God. But he does talk about how, because of conscience, people make a decision. Now, when it comes to COVID and all of the things around it, 
this is something that tips people's consciences in different way. I don't want to offend your conscience. I want you to do what your conscience leads you to do. The Apostle Paul talks about the importance of that in Romans chapter 14, 14, verse 14. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. You see how the Apostle Paul says, I'm persuaded and this is how I think, but then he says, you're persuaded that way and that's how you think, and so to you, it is unclean. You see, that's why the that's why there's so much grace around this area. There is not imposing it on. He's not saying, I'm convinced of this, so you should be convinced of it. He's like, yeah, I know consciences are quite sensitive, and so I'm not going to force this issue, and I'm not going to cause division because of this issue. I'm simply going to give you my point of view and then allow you the grace to make your own choice without condemning it. In fact, he talks about that style, that, that way of approaching other people with different beliefs. In this way, Romans 14 verses 22 to 23, the faith that you have, please keep it between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And see, this is the very important thing. When we come before God, it's very important for us to recognize that our place is secured by Christ and the cleansing work of Jesus. But we also bring to us our sense of obedience, our sense of right and wrong. And he's saying for people who who do things against their consciousness and they feel like they're sinning against their consciousness, they can't escape the dirty feeling, the wrong feeling that that produces. And so he says for them, it's better just don't do it. Because it's much more important that you proceed from faith, from what you believe is right for you between you and God. And so I say all those things to talk about how important it is for you to make a choice that is right according to your own conscience. But I'm still going to recognize that our consciousness is not the highest authority. And so I just want to talk through the ideas that go around how your conscience is going to come up with the idea of what is right and what is wrong. Now, Your conscience is not always accurate. Romans chapter 2, the beginning of that book, he says, they show, these are people who are not part of the, the Jewish faith or people that have received the law of God from Moses, but he says, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears a witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse and then even excuse them. The things that we feel guilty and right and wrong are not a set thing. In the word of God, in the law, they're set. But as far as these other things, sometimes our consciousness approves of it and other people's disapprove of it. And we kind of think, well, how did that happen? Isn't it interesting what you feel guilty about someone else doesn't feel guilty about? And that's why we need to remember this, that your heart, the part of you that has the belief part, not, not the cardiac organ, but the part of you that is the part that believes. It's not the part that intellectually knows, but it's the part that believes, receives truths, and develops convictions. Your belief center is your heart, and that informs your conscience. In the sense, your conscience is a way of activating what your heart believes. And I want to give you four biblical ideas for your heart to consider when thinking about this COVID vaccine. So here we go. Number one, Fear is not a good guide. Fear instinct, which is a really positive thing that God gives us to avoid danger, 
when it's exaggerated, imagining danger and imagining a bunch of things that may never happen, it becomes a very counterproductive thing for faith. That's why Jesus works so hard in his discussion, saying things like this in Luke 12. He says, why, why? even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not, you have more value than many sparrows. I know that some people that are talking to about COVID, COVID vaccine, very worried about what could happen if And the reality is that almost all of the things they imagine are are actually not even real situations. But they are fearful about what doing this could cause harm to them or to those that they love. But see, the starting point is wrong. We should never make a decision from fear. Fear is never a good guide. In fact, there's many things in the scripture that actually kind of force us to confront our fears, to treat them as though they are irrational and not good for us. And again and again, Jesus wants to calm us down and to give us a sense that God is much bigger and stronger than any situation or anything, rather than thinking about us making all the decisions that keep us safe. Jesus wants to assure us that our Father has a bigger perspective and a greater power to keep us really, truly safe. So, here's a couple of questions. Is it safe? Uh, Other people have asked me, but wasn't it rushed, the vaccine? Uh, some people have asked me, what the side effects, they aren't known. I mean, vaccinations have only just begun. We don't know what the side effects are going to be. Um, isn't it possible worse that this vaccine is going to be worse than me actually getting the virus? Well, let me just answer a few of those things quite quickly. Is it safe? Well, to date, the day I'm speaking, there have been no deaths from the COVID vaccine. There, there is and this is a, a giant studies, and I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of doses now. And there have been no deaths from the COVID vaccination. There have been reactions. There have been people with stiff arms, soreness, some people a little bit anaphylactic. All of these things are normal occurrences for any vaccination. They're not to do with the COVID. It's just, you know, you get a shot, you get an irritation, you get a problem. Sometimes you get feel a little bit sick for a couple of days. But is it safe? No deaths. So it's safe. Number two, well, is it rushed? Well, here's the thing about this particular vaccine. It was gone through at a quick pace, but the important thing to remember is that there was no steps that were skipped. Sometimes when you rush something because you're trying to get it done, you skip important steps because, you know, getting it out there is more important in the process. But that's not what happened. That's not the how these vaccines are allowed to be developed. They can't take a step out. They can't take a testing phase out. They can't take an experimental stage out and then still get approval. All of the normal approval steps for vaccinations, for vaccines, have been complied with in the development of this vaccine. It's just it happened at a faster rate because government and the approving bodies were willing to participate at a faster rate. Normally, they followed their normal bureaucratic slowness. This time, they just didn't. What about the side effects that aren't known? Well, from my understanding, and I'm not an epidemiologist, most of them are based on messenger RNA, so mRNA, And the mRNA vaccines cannot produce the kinds of side effects that you hear about. Somebody was saying, I don't want to grow a crocodile tail. That's not what mRNA does. What it does is it takes, it's a messenger, it takes information to your RNA by using a piece of RNA so that your RNA is programmed to know what to do with the COVID virus when it encounters it. It's just kind of a warm-up program, an information program, so that your body has the ability to handle that. But it doesn't do other things. 
It doesn't, doesn't affect your DNA or your RNA in other ways. So is it the side effects? Well, if there are side effects, they, you know, itchy arm, that kind of thing, it's, it's not because it's kind of creating some ab- human abnormality in you. What about this one? Is it worse than getting the virus? Well, COVID fatalities are still around 1%. Some countries higher, some lower, but it's averaging out about 1%. So if you're comparing what danger there is, it's much more dangerous for you or your grandparent to get COVID than for you to get the vaccine, for them to get the vaccine. It's far, far safer. It's not even comparable. Number two, in the Bible, we're constantly recommended to be careful of who you listen to. There's, and there's no shortage of information about almost any topic. But First Timothy, when Paul tells Timothy, he says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. That is, keep the most care of the most important thing that you've got. And avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. There are so many things out there talking. There are YouTube things. There are Twitter things. There are uh, so-called news programs. There are things that masquerade as magazines. There are even things that masquerade as being scientifically based. There are so many things out there. We have to be very careful what sources we attend to. So as being, being careful what you're listening to, we're oftentimes asking questions then, well, if this person says this and that group says that, well, then who can I trust? Um, is there some kind of hidden or secret agenda behind things? Um, how do we know that the scientists aren't hiding something? Let me just assure you in this way. Vaccines are a good thing. Vaccines are not part of an evil program to ruin human lives. They're not part of a way of controlling the population. Vaccines have multiplied population because it removes unnecessary deaths. Vaccines have cured things like this. List, list is amazing. Polio, the incredibly crippling and uh, you know deadly disease. Smallpox, that if you read any kind of history book about the way that smallpox affected populations, it's horrific. There was a massive, sometimes one-third of the population was dying from smallpox. You know, and some people say that, that um, 90% of the aboriginal populations of non-Western nations that Western nations went to and colonized, 90% of those populations died simply from preventable diseases that the, that the Western world brought with them. Um, tetanus. You ever, you know, step on something in the garden or on a rusty nail, something like that, go down, you get a tetanus shot. Well, that tetanus shot is a vaccine. Influenza. And then there's hepatitis A and B. Uh, mumps, measles. All of these things have vaccines. In fact, I've been vaccinated for most of those, not polio, but most of those things because I travel overseas and I get kind of in contact with a lot of things I don't see day to day here in Australia. So vaccines are really, really fantastic things. Just as a way of comparison, in 17th century England, this is the beginning of the vaccine cycle when, when uh, they developed the idea that a vaccine, you know the word vac, is based on the word ca- uh, cow, French word for cow, vache, and a vaccine was uh, taking the cowpox and then infecting yourself or infecting somebody so that your body could develop the antibodies to be able to deal with smallpox. And so that's where the word vaccine comes from. 17th century England, one-third of children died. Today, that statistic is less than 1%, and that's largely due to how vaccines have removed from the population the polio, the smallpox, the measles, the mumps, 
the, the hepatitis. All of these things have been removed and now children can grow and develop. And there are actually even more things that have been cured by vaccines as well. In, for a matter of safety, uh, in most democratic countries like ours, scientific research has to go through rigid peer review to be accepted. It just doesn't, somebody just doesn't come up with an idea and produce something without anybody knowing about it. The scientific process means that I do a study, then that study and the evidence from it goes and it's reviewed by people from outside of my organization in a, who have knowledge in that discipline who can redo what I've done to see if the results are the same. And that process is very, very rigid here in democratic nations. I'm not saying it's rigid in other non-democratic nations, but in nations like Australia and Canada and and, uh, America, it is a rigid thing. Plus, we have the added benefit too in our countries that... We have a scrutiny that comes from the opposition parties who are always looking for reasons to expose government inadequacies. And there also we have the media that can expose those things and bring it to our attention. And those things help to keep everybody honest. So the process that produced the vaccine that we have now for COVID has gone through that scrutiny. And those people were looking for problems. They just haven't found any yet. Now, number three to guide Christian behavior, we know that, need to know that the scriptures commend government to us. They don't talk about it in this dangerous, you know, protect yourself, uh, the government is a secret organization that's going to destroy your life way. Actually, government is instituted by God and he commands us to submit to it in, unless it is directly in contradiction to the law of God. So in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And then he goes on to say, if you rebel against that government, you're rebelling against God, because God gave you that government. And just think about this. The government that he's talking about is the Roman government led by Caesar, And at that moment in history, the government led by the Caesar was not a healthy place. But he's saying government as a whole, this whole operation of protecting by governance and justice and running the courts, the military, the policing systems, the economy, the things that governments take care of for the welfare of the people, those things are things that God gave to us so that human society can flourish. When we rebel against that, we're not being wise. And so he also says, like in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, be subject for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. You see how he puts it back on. He's saying it's not because the government is perfect that we obey. It's because God is asking us to be submissive to an organization that helps everybody. Because the alternative is we begin self-governing. And I'll tell you what, I know what my heart's like. When I self-govern, I generally make decisions that are good for me, not for the whole society. So God says, don't worry, I've given you an institutions, I've given these things so that it's spread out and everybody needs to participate, but we need to submit to it. And just in case you're wondering, did everybody submit? Well, you know, Jesus' own parents 
had to obey a government order that was massively chaotic and full of danger for them. But in Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, the town of Nazareth, to Judea in the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And then we got the whole Christmas story. The reason that Jesus' own stepdad and mom went from Nazareth down south, down to Judea, to Bethlehem, was because that's where his ancestral family was from. That's where you went to get registered. That was a really difficult, much harder than getting a COVID vaccine. And boy, far more dangerous. But they did it to follow the instructions of their government. And that brings me to the fourth thing. The, good, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, finishes with how to treat your neighbor and love your neighbor as yourself. To obey the great commandment, we have to do good neighboring. And in fact, many times when uh, the apostles were summarizing what the content of the law of God was about, they said this. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14 is a fine example, although there are many other summaries just like this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. What what, uh, the apostles and the teaching of Jesus gave them was the ability to understand that the way and the reason that God had given these laws was not somehow just so that we would follow some sort of track of righteousness that leaves us, you know, uh, a perfect in the presence of God or perfect in the eyes of God. But see, these laws were to make us to be good neighbors to one another. It was these laws make us nice to people. You know, thou shalt not steal is, is so that your neighbor benefits. Thou shalt not commit adultery is so that the marriages in the community are protected. These laws are given to us for our whole community welfare. And obedience to them, the practice of them, is actually a way of being love. In one point he says, love does no harm to its neighbor. And so the reason that we think about what to do in every place, whenever we're caused to make a decision, Jesus said, if you want to love God, like First Peter said, for the sake of the Lord, for the Lord's sake, obey the government. If you're trying to love God, then it is always going to be reflected on how you take care of other people around you. And that's why I think that the COVID vaccine is actually something that we should do, my conscience, because I think that it's something that helps the whole broader community. If we can get polio out of transmission in the community and everybody benefits, every newborn child benefits, if we can do the same thing for the, for the coronavirus by getting vaccine, then we will have benefited not just this generation and the people that live now, but we benefit every generation that comes afterwards because we loved them enough to get a shot, enough to take the risk, enough to go through the process. Now, this other thing that Jesus said about this is when it comes to doing good for others, the, the start point is always us. It, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So Jesus says, which is very different than a lot of people in the world, uh, a lot of uh, moral teachers through history have always said it in this way, do not do what you don't want people to do to you. If you don't want to be insulted, don't insult people. If you don't want to be harmed, don't harm people. It's always about 
stopping the person from doing the wrong. But Jesus switches around and he puts the creative impulse in his believers. And he says, if you want to start a good thing, you start the good thing. You do it to other people before they do it to you. Not the bad thing, but you do the good thing. And so that's why I think that it's very important for Christians to even set a standard for the world to say that we are willing to roll up our sleeves and get involved in this because we want to do some good for other people. We want to bless those people. Maybe they're too afraid. Maybe they're believing bad media. Maybe they're not going to take the right steps, but we can take the right steps that are going to help them. And then rather than kind of say, well, let all the people in Sweden get the vaccine for the next two years, and then we'll see what happens to them, and then I'll feel safe. Now we're kind of saying, well, let those suckers die or get hurt before I take a risk. You see, that's not the attitude of Jesus. Jesus says, I'll go first. I'll die first. I'll do the good. And then everybody gets to benefit from that. Now, the end of this, at this end of this talk, is not what did you hear from Job, but what did you hear from God? You see, that conviction, that belief center needs to be formed on the word of God. Like Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we need to make our our faith decisions based on what God's word says to us. Not our opinion, not our feelings, not our emotions, not the media, not the government. We make the decisions based on our faith that comes from the word of Jesus Christ. And I think that forms a very strong conscience then, a conscience where we're not embarrassed about it, where we don't suddenly take a step and then wonder later, should we feel guilty about this? Because we've seen clearly what the word of God teaches. But at the end of the day, like I said, in matters of conscience, it's very important for you to do the thing that you feel convicted in your conscience about. I hope today that this is a great way for you to to discuss and think about these things and for you to have some power to make a decision from. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let my opinion impose itself on you, nor should you on mine, because at the end of the day, we're all children of the same Father. So I wanted to say God bless you, and I pray that you will make a great decision about yourself, your family, and your community as the vaccine rolls out, and that you will know and work towards the will of God in your own life. And I thank you for watching today, and God bless you. See you next time.